0: Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner, Caroline Pope, as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognised and well known animal communicator, Caroline Pope.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking with the Animals. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Thank you for joining me. Today, I'm delighted to be. Able to bring you Dr. Christine G. again. We're going to discuss what she looks for in an initial consultation and how she evaluates your dog or horse. Dr. Christine G.,
2: welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me again, Caroline, on a lovely spring day in Melbourne. It's lovely to be back and to be talking about animals in every way, shape, or form.
1: So if I bring my horse or my dog to you for um, the initial consultation, can you run me through the process, please, of what you look for and what is basically covered in the first consult?
2: Well, it's a good question, Caroline. So it's a slightly different approach to a traditional veterinary consultation in that Often I'm working in an environment away from a regular veterinary practice, which is helpful for both the owner and the patients because they are usually a little bit uh, anxious when visiting regular veterinary practices, So, especially with the dogs. So I typically work away from... Busy veterinary practices where possible because it allows animals to be in a different headspace than, oh no, I'm going to the vet. And that helps with assessment and a little bit more of a normal environment. Horses also are quite used to transport, so I have a couple of different clinic locations that horses come to visit me under the help of their owner, obviously. Um, So, for the initial assessment of patients, the most important part that I found. to examine is the history. So before I even touch the patients, be they a dog or a horse or a cat, the I take quite a long time getting a full history from the owners about when they acquired the animal, any history of medical problems or medical management that they're under, any histories of trauma or injury, and also any other maintenance health conditions or maintenance schedules that their animals are under, for example, with horses, routine dentistry and farriery or hoof care. uh, It's always important to consider all of those aspects when you're considering the future management of these cases and horses. And similarly for dogs, are they athletes? Are they couch potatoes? Are they your working kelpies or any other uh, utility sort of work that they do. So there's a lot of different, a huge different spectrum of patients that we end up seeing and treating, and each has to be adequately treated or managed.
1: So within the uh, consult, do you cover diet? Uh, I'm assuming that diet does impact on um health and behavior for both dogs and horses.
2: Yes, that's a very good point. Um certainly the diet is one of the questions within the initial history taking that I consider. So for example, horses that have a recurring gastric ulceration syndrome, they are obviously a little bit more stressed type of horses and that can affect the way that they move and also if a horse is struggling with overt and severe stomach ulcers or hindgut ulcers we can often have quite a um, slow or no response to treatment until that issue is addressed because the way that a horse moves its body with or without ulcers is vastly different So the way the forelimbs move when there's stomach ulcers is very different to how the forelimbs move when there's no gastric ulceration. That is by virtue of the fact that they're trying to prevent the acid splash into the areas of the stomach, which which hurt. So there's a complete overflow or full effect on biomechanics just from something as simple as stomach ulcers. And in dogs, if they're on highly processed food or inflammatory foods, we see that in their body tissues and in their joints as well. So the diet is a huge part of the picture to be considered.
1: So once you've taken the history, um, you obviously then you start putting your hands on the animal. What exactly are you looking for?
2: Well, actually, there's another step before I put my hands on the animal. I do quite extensive gait analysis. That meaning I ask the owners of either the dog or the horse to walk out uh, away from me in a different direction and across my field of view and then back towards me at different gates, so that be walk and trot in horses and also walk and trot for dogs. I spend quite a lot of time just assessing normal movement and then getting my head around where I think the issues may be or where there may be some pain or dysfunction or restriction. And here I was
1: thinking you had me bolting up and down the arena the entire time just for entertainment, but there
2: is actually something in it. (laughs) Yes, Caroline, there was a reason behind it. Um, Also, with horses as a separate sort of note, obviously, to dogs, but – I actually learnt fairly early on to do groundwork because I had an episode where I did ask a client of mine to lunge her horse and she was nearly severely injured um, because the horse was not in its normal environment and things were stressed. So I actually took the time then to learn how to safely lunge the horses and observe them from the inside of the circle so wherever possible I, I do a walk trot canter as well as a series of exercises in hand so I can check proprioception and I do those exercises myself and there are a couple of others I then ask the owner to do whilst me whilst I'm observing and that is just in hand walking and and a few patterns. The aim of which is to assess the speed and accuracy of the integration of the nervous system and knowing where in space at all times all four limbs are in relation to the head and neck. So we're basically making a neurological assessment of the patient's the dogs and the horses before anything happens in terms of treatment or management. That's one of the most important parts of the clinical examination. Do you find that
1: many animals don't know where they are in relation to the space around them and aren't fully aware of where their limbs are?
2: Yes, that's a good question. There's lots of There's a very gray scale of this, uh, really. So we can have pure chiropractic subluxations and restrictions which alter movement and proprioception or knowing in space where the limbs are at all times. And then we can have overt neurological problems from either spinal cord compression or trauma or injury or other infectious or other problems. But unless you have a baseline before you start looking at them, you really aren't sure where you are in in relation to the scope of health that that animal's in at that particular time.
1: And so after you've done your gait analysis and the owners recovered and realised just how incredibly unfit their cardio system is, as I can personally attest to, what do you do from there?
2: So after we've got a thorough history and done our varying forms of gait analysis with both the horses and the dogs, the next step is um, saying hello to the patient because unfortunately when we work as regular vets, we're under time pressure and six people waiting at the door and receptionists asking us to call seven people back. So we run out of time and we tend to sort of push on through. But these are little patients and they often have a lot of fear and anxiety so I always try to say hello to the patient first and really just come in a very non-offensive way to scratch the shoulder or let dogs sniff your hand and just really um, come in peace rather than in a way where we're going to see you, observe you and treat you. It's It's, it's got to be in a different format. I find that much more successful than coming in You know, with my intentions of fixing and doing and sorting, I've really got to say hello, make friends and ask permission, so to speak, first. And
1: that really is one of the big differences, I think, between the, as you say, the traditional veterinary and, yes, I was a vet nurse in many of those things with all the phones ringing and 12 people at the vet at once but uh, the integrative holistic approach is very, very different. So once you've done your um, ear scratch or shoulder scratch and probably pony crack, which uh, my little mare would have actually spoken Latin for your pony crack, where do you go to from there?
2: Well, Caroline, let's clarify for the audience. Pony crack is actually nothing bad. It doesn't sound great when we say that. However, it is basically some palatable... uh, pellets that we I use in exchange for uh, acupuncture if the horse is fractious I try not to use them if the horses tolerate what I'm doing later on in the consultation but when they are fractious and you're able to switch the brain from flight or flight fight or flight to digest mode it is a, a little easier in those horses that are nervous about being treated so if we then go back to saying hello I then do a palpation. Uh, on both sides of the body and underneath where permitted. Um, So for horses, I generally start at the pole, work through the cervical musculature and mobilize the cervical segments and palpate the wither, the shoulder blades and the pectoral area and then over through the seat muscles, the top of the pelvis, around the points of the hip. The hip joint itself stifle groin and lower limbs on both the front and back legs. And we get an overall picture of regional pain, spasm and muscular tension. And virtually every ridden horse has some discomfort under the seat area or most as well have some degree of neck pain because of postural changes from riding. And then any other pathologies or issues that we know about we go over those areas and similarly with dogs we palpate from the head down through the neck and shoulders the back pelvis uh loin and groin areas and and the limb joints as well
1: so once you've done your palpation uh both sides obviously as you've said where do you go to from there
2: um I should just backtrack a little bit because after we uh well whilst I'm doing all of that I'm making observations about the hair coat any dermatitis or unusual sweat patterns, uh, any foot problems that I can see that are glaringly obvious or swellings on the joints or anything like that. Um, But after the initial assessment palpation and getting an idea of how the respiratory muscles are working, how the animal is breathing, uh, whether there's any bracing or postural strain, um, I should say as well, we make very strong observations regarding posture in both dogs and horses and Oftentimes, like us, they're in a compensatory pattern of posture, so uh, they'll have a dropped belly and hyperextended lower neck in most cases, so we make observations about that and our aim is to have us an improved resting posture by about the third treatment in general for both horses and dogs. So. Following that palpation and assessment of all those things, we then start to work on the spinal segments themselves and try to encourage mobility and integration of the nervous and the musculoskeletal systems through osteopathic and chiropractic technique and also acupuncture to target specific areas or dysfunctions that I feel are relevant to the overall posture and health of the animal.
1: So before we go any further, and look, I am fully aware we could do quite happily do a podcast on each. But can you do an incredibly compact and edited version for those of us that aren't aware um, of what the osteopathy slash chiropractic and what the acupuncture is and what it can do for the animal, please?
2: Certainly. So chiropractic and osteopathic care centers around the spine and spinal mobility and its effect on the nervous system. Um, Osteopathy is a little bit more central nervous system and integrates more of the soft tissue integration with the spine and the spinal cord. They're very complicated and uh, in-depth fields of study with lots of different techniques, but basically we're talking about an integration of the neuromuscular system as a whole and getting higher levels of integration and function. Similarly acupuncture which is synergistic with both of these other techniques works on the Chinese traditional Chinese medicine system of meridians and the energy flow along these meridians which are channels we find in the body. This also relates to the fascial system and how the fascia integrates through locomotion. So we can use acupuncture in a biomechanical and locomotory way or we can use it in a traditional Chinese medicine way which is more the medicinal approach to managing illness. I do a little bit of both but my forte is probably more in the musculoskeletal domain.
1: So how do you decide which is most appropriate for that particular animal at that particular time?
2: Well that's a good question again Caroline and I think I can only say that my decisions about what to use in my toolbox and when and what patients and at what time frame comes a lot from experience. The longer I've done this, probably the less I do in terms of uh, physical mobilization, etc. Although there's times when it's really warranted. Um, A lot of times I you know, integrate the acupuncture with the chiropractic. But over the years, your toolbox gets a bit bigger and you study and you learn more. And currently I use prolotherapy, which was taught to me by my mentor, which has a significant impact on fascial pain and joint dysfunction. I found that one of the most useful toolboxes, one of the most useful tools in my toolbox, I should say, that achieves longstanding results with minimal cost, and significant improvement in pain. So we use that for cervical dysfunction, pelvic dysfunction, ligament strain syndromes, back pain, kissing spines, head and neck problems in dogs and horses. And it really is an extremely simple, effective, and cost-effective management tools that I have. And In addition to that, we have laser as well, so therapeutic laser. I use a class 4 laser, so that is helpful in many cases of rehabilitation, particularly tendons, neck pain in uh, dogs and horses, and general joint and, and other pain, particularly in geriatric animals. It's a gentle and effective tool. Yes, I've got
1: to say the prolo has been absolutely sensational with Mecco. thank you. Huge difference, literally within an hour, um, much, much happier and a lot less painkillers. So after you've done your acupuncture, your um, chiropractic or osteopathy, where to from there?
2: Well, actually, I should backtrack a little bit and say, if in my first assessment, I'm not comfortable that the patient presented to me has a purely chiropractical pain-based scenario that will respond to my toolbox, uh, it's not uncommon for me to refer back to the original veterinarians the treating veterinarians or onto to a veterinary hospital for further investigation if I feel that the case presented before me would not respond to what I have to offer. So that is something that I think is really important because not every case that'll come and see you will be managed or appropriate to do my set of treatment to that case. So I guess that's another thing you learn with experience is what cases can I and can't I help and then referral to the appropriate places is is the way forward with those cases. Otherwise, if we've completed a successful treatment, I then review the response to the treatment. So we often do the gait analysis again, and I often allow time within the consultation to walk both horses and dogs in, to integrate what I've done and review how the body's accepting what I'm asking it to do. Then at the end of the consultation, we would review the changes uh within the treatment and make an assessment of a revisit time. Most dogs and horses would take three treatments over a period of about six weeks, so usually an initial treatment at day one, then a follow-up at two weeks, and then a follow-up a month later. Within those three treatments, I need significant improvement, otherwise I'd be reassessing and reviewing my treatment course, and certainly earlier if things aren't going to plan. But Humans and animals alike will respond certain ways in certain ways to certain treatments and we need to make sure that we're having an improvement in the initial assessment of pain scores which I record at each consultation. So I record a stiffness, dysfunction and pain score for all the body regions that I'm concerned about in the initial consultation and by the second one I need to see improvement or I think we need to review the treatment course. So Once we've laid out those three initial visits and review them at each visit, we then work out what is a maintenance plan and if people are able to do maintenance exercises and core strength exercises and help with lifestyle issues that brought them to me in the first place. If that's all managed, I should really only need to see dogs or horses once every three to six months. I'm doing my job properly if that's what's happening but otherwise obviously if there's other pathologies or pain there we may need to see them more regularly but the idea is to set patients off on a better path to maintenance and 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 maintaining better posture better health and better movement. So if people want
1: to see you or bring their animal to you where do you operate from please and how can they contact you?
2: Thank you. Yes. So I do consult at certain locations in Eastern Melbourne and also in Western Gippsland. So uh, we'll put some notes in the show notes about how to get hold of me. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm limited as to email replies, but we can do phone uh, inquiries and consultation inquiries. So there's an office number through uh, my number that we will put on the show notes if anyone's interested in booking a consultation if you're in Melbourne
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking With The Animals. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you have any topics you'd like me to cover, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to Dr. Christine G. Her number and website will be in the show notes. So until next time, stay
0: safe and remember to talk with the animals. Thank you for listening to Talking With The Animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator, CST, and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.